0: welcome to born to hustle this is roham carrion i am here with chris lopez he's a digital nomad and a connector he teaches people how to travel the world and still have a what is it called? Leisure traveling nowadays? What, what would you call it, Chris? What would you call it?
1: Uh, it's a lifestyle travel.
0: So right. For most people, it's learning how to
1: travel permanently uh, instead of thinking it as a vacation.
0: Okay. Okay. So exactly what you just said, but far more professionally. Teach people how to work and travel at the same time and, and not just see it as a vacation. So that's actually very fair to say. So, Chris, out of curiosity, So in this podcast, we basically talk about what ignited your hustle, what kept you in the hustle, and what would you tell yourself if you can have the opportunity to give a younger self an advice? So that being said, how long have you been doing it and what ignited that hustle?
1: So uh, I started about maybe 15 years ago, and I've been doing that for quite a while because everything I've done is always from a laptop. And before the concept took off, I've read a lot of books. So there was a book called, uh, it was by A.J. Jacobs, and it was called Guinea Pig Diaries. And he had a chapter in there that said, can I outsource my entire life? And so he basically goes through, and this was way before the pandemic, way before digital nomad lifestyle kicked in. And he said, can I just outsource everything in my life? Can I outsource talking to my wife? Can I outsource taking care of my kids? Can I outsource handling my job, writing everything? And he found a company in India that's called Your Man in India. And the whole point of that company was when Indian mothers send their sons to America to study at the universities, they get worried that there's nobody there to take care of them anymore. Nobody could cook their meals, nobody could do all this stuff. And so there's this whole agency system in India that's built around their sons to handle all their lifestyle issues, their laundry, their credit cards, their setting up bank accounts and finding taxis and making sure their schedules are, are set Everything is taken care of. So when he discovered this, it was like an epiphany opened up and said, wait a minute. I don't have to do anything anymore. I can just hire somebody to just take care of everything in my life. And in the book chapter, he goes through and shows like, yes, there's somebody that just talks to my wife now. And I I just let them know like, hey, just let my wife know I'm doing this today. And then like, hey, my grandparents are going to come visit. I don't really want to talk to them. So... Can you just write them this and let them know? Like I'm thinking about them. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right? Yeah. Does
0: that somebody do it for
1: you? Yeah, exactly. You know. So he's just like you know he's at home one night. He's just like man, I really want a pizza. So he just messages his his virtual assistant, and she's like, yes, sir. It'll be there in 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, it was just this realization that like we're moving into a world where. Everything can be done from your phone and your laptop. You don't need to go into an office anymore. You don't need to follow the nine-to-five. You don't need to worry about one paycheck when there's a whole global audience out there that can allow you to build multiple sources of income.
0: Wow. So I can imagine the arguments between that guy's wife. It's like the wife's like, well, you tell him. It's like, can you please tell her? Just in the phone, just all calm and collected because he's not the one getting yelled at. You know, I can just imagine Uh, those arguments are probably just the golden world of that man. He's just like, man, me and my wife don't even argue.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, absolutely. But what made it so more interesting was the fact that every morning the assistant would have in an Excel spreadsheet, all the details of everything that's going on in his life. Mm -hmm. So he not only had a record of this stuff, but his assistant had graphs and charts and showed like, hey, this is how busy your time is going to be this week. This is where you need to be. This is what you're going to do. And then it even got to the point where when he was writing the chapter, he didn't want to finish the chapter. He was just like, can I just give this to my assistant to finish writing the chapter? And she did. And she wrote the rest of the chapter. And he's like, we we are going into a world that is way beyond what we thought, and so now that we have this pandemic that pushed everything around to where people work remotely, mm-hmm. and people now have better access to internet, um, there's a realization that you can create multiple companies all from a laptop, and you don't need to do anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Y- you can just literally go to LegalWorks, Works, you know, Legal Zoom legal websites and just fill out one simple form and they will do all your corporation paperwork. They will do all your taxes, all that stuff. They'll take care of all the paperwork for you and you just pay a fee. So then all of a sudden now you're just like, okay, well, if I can do that, what else can I do now? And you can slowly go in and say like, hey, I can hire two project managers and say, hey, I want to build a vertical company that does digital products and I want to build another vertical company that handles logistical issues for small businesses. And then you handle, you hire a team just to do that, and you don't need to do anything else.
0: Hmm, That's fair. You know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I know in, throughout the pandemic, we have, like, I feel like before the pandemic, it was a real practice. It's just that in the pandemic, it became a natural common practice where everybody, because I'm pretty sure Zoom existed a long time ago. It did. And, and, and so did Microsoft Teams, so did Google Meets. It's just that now it's just, it became such, it just became common. That's the only difference. Right. The nine to five was always, was already breaking since what? Years. I don't even know the exact year when it started breaking, but now that the pandemic happened and stuff like that, I noticed that it's becoming more common. And even, even through corporations, because back then having that, that nine to five, let's just say you do have a nine to five, but you're still having leisure traveling. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it was not common. It really wasn't. Unless the, unless you were the owner or the company really, 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 really trusted you. Right. But now it's become more common nowadays after the pandemic that they don't really have to. They know how, how to. They just know. they fe- We figured it out. Yes. Yeah. We figured it out. So now you being a digital nomad and teaching people how to do it, you go towards more the route of entrepreneurship, correct? Which is the right. route that you go more specifically towards?
1: Uh, entrepreneurship. Because the idea is just like you're going to be your own boss you're going to learn how to build out these companies the the hardest part most people deal with is operations and logistics and that's where i come in and i sit down like you need to learn various forms of logistics in a company every company is built off of systems and the most profitable companies in the world all have a very detailed systems in place and that's where i come in and i say look if you're going to sell physical products through let's say drop shipping and you want to run everything through a fulfillment process system, there are specific steps to take. Once you understand those specific steps, it's a repeatable business in any any category. If you're doing digital products and you're doing stuff like that, it is a repeatable product system that you can build for multiple, multiple different things. So it's just about putting those systems into place, and once you're done with that, then all of a sudden it's just like, what else can I build? How how else can I do this? You know, now then you move into the the sectors of like consulting and providing services. And if you built out your own agency, you know, how do you provide services just like that? Well, again, you just take the model, like I said, from that agency in India and you can replicate it for all kinds of things. You know, so you can build it out for like, you know, dog-sitting services. You know, people who have therapy, you know, they, they want therapy. That's just sort of like somebody there to talk to you. They may not be licensed, but at the same time, you have people on fiverr you have people on upwork who are willing to sit there and listen to somebody talk and get paid for that you know mm. so again it, it's all up to what do you want to provide and how much do you want to build it out you know yeah yeah
0: you you when you say something about fiverr you can have like a therapy agency or something like that like yep. the way you describe it I think you've really resonated on that book that you just described, outsourcing. Yes. You no, you yes. don't have to be the therapist. You can outsource the therapist and still be the agency owner of the therapist.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean like, I, I can go in and hire, let's say, a whole bunch of engineers and inside my, you know, agency, I can deploy them all around the world. You know, and guess what? They're gonna love that because they're gonna have something new to do every month, every week. And it's just a matter of me sitting down and building out the company structure and being like, Hey, there's a company over here that needs what you're doing, uh, they're willing to do a two-month contract. Uh, do you want to go to Germany for two months?
0: Yeah. I would say yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. That's like like traveling one one like you're going to take me to Germany? Yeah. Yeah. I will go to Germany. Right.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, so that's awesome. So if that's the instance, what would you say that is a key factor in order to succeed as, a, as someone that is actually trying to have leisure travel?
1: Uh, So leisure travel is all about trying to have some type of income coming in that's recurring that Mm. pays for that. Because when you have leisure travel versus like work travel versus digital nomad lifestyle, uh, something is paying for that. Whereas when you're a digital nomad who travels both leisurely and for work, you have multiple streams of income that pay for different parts of your life. So leisure travel, it's probably something you saved up for uh you're going to go off you know and do something whereas a digital nomad is like well I'm going to go to Italy and I'm going to be in this region for maybe 3 months, 4 months. I'm going to pick up some clients there, do some work. As I'm in that region, I may go out and explore further. I may go to Switzerland, I may go over to Spain for a little bit. I'll go check out some events, pick up some clients there, do some work and then come back to Italy as sort of a home base. And and again, it's it's all up to you how you want to run your lifestyle. Okay. You know, so yeah,
0: but yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Just wanted to go ahead and and do a check that because I know uh, lately um, that word about leisure and and work and life like that's been thrown around in so many definitions lately in so many different ways. Like oh, built a real estate empire now you can have that opportunity and in in a way something like that does require you your presence every now and then or building an Airbnb business. Uh, right, home sharing yeah. management business, I think it's the proper terminology, but it's the same thing. Right. Absolutely. So when you deal something like that, um, I noticed that, yes, you can travel, mm-hmm. but you have to go back to base.
1: If you want. Yeah. Yeah, if you want. Like some people will do a variation of digital nomad lifestyle. You may have a home base. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was talking to a mom the other day who has a family. They have kids. They have a routine. They have a house, a car, some jobs. And but she wants to do this, and I said, "Well, you you can have a variation. You say, why don't you go out for two weeks, go do your stuff, and then pick up clients if you want to do speaker panels, if you want to do presentations, talks, and then come back for three weeks."
0: Okay. So, so
1: it, it changed her whole life, her whole concept of digital nomad as, oh, it's not a permanent thing. I can always come back, recharge, rest for three weeks, four weeks, however, and then go back out again.
0: Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. So now you teach me a little so just do a comprehension and, and one thing and it's gonna be a little bit off topic. So what ignited your house was the book or was it like multiple things that Because like, I know there's just not that one thing. There's probably multiple things that happened that basically ignited it.
1: It it was the the freedom. And and that's the part people are chasing in their life is, is the freedom to be able to be like they're they when they work the nine to five, they're looking at the clock. How soon is it to five? <laughs> and once they get to, to five, it's like, I'm free again. Mm-hmm. And now I can go do whatever I want. But then people fall into routines. People fall into the, you know, I go home, either I pick up something from the store, and then I make dinner, and then I watch my TV shows, or I do this, I relax, and then it's a bedtime routine. And then all of a sudden, they realize they're they're caught in the nine to five.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So then all of a sudden, they're just like, well, how do I get out of that? And, the, and they're always thinking about, like, if I just started this, if I just did this, if I... If only I had a little more time to do this. Everything about this world is about freedom because you can design and build whatever it is you want. There are, there are many company structures you can build that are very simple, maybe like two-tiered level systems, and it runs themselves. You know? What so, would
0: be an example of those type of, kind of company?
1: Um, so, for example, you can run, let's say, yourself with one project manager, one VA, and you provide consulting services for, let's say, busy people. And so the project manager will come in and sort of like declutter their mess and say like, this is how everything runs. This is how to set everything up. And then the VA comes in and does the the little minute details, organizing the calendars, making sure the emails are are doing this. And then you offer the service of saying, look, we can get you a full-time VA assistant or we can provide a monthly service. And at that point, you now have two options of making money. You can run as a subscription service, or you can run it as a. We will find you somebody to now work for your family on a full time basis. Okay. Or yes. at part time, you know.
0: Okay, that's that's straight to the point. So I like it. Yeah. So it's very simple. Yeah. Oh, well, simple. The, the reality is it does take effort. Yes. But you know, at the end of the day, compared to many other opportunities out there, it is simple. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Okay, so if that's the case, now that we know exactly what it ended your hustle, what, what, what I'm know what i assuming the answer will be the same thing, right? What made you kept into the hustle? Was it the freedom or was it like something else?
1: Uh, well, it's the fact that I go to so many events and I go to so many things that I see so many trends of what people are doing. Mm-hmm. And the, the end result for everybody I talk to is just like, I want to start a company, I want to start a company, I want to start a company. And they're doing a job, or they're they just moved here and they want to start a company. And to me, since I've done so many so much of that stuff already, it's it's so routine. So I'm just like, so what's the problem? And to them, it's it's like it's like doing calculus. It's just like, well, where do I start? How do I do this? How do I get this set up? And and to me, it's just like here's you start with step one, get everything structured, do all, put everything into place. Who do you need currently right now that you cannot do? Mm-hmm. So let's say you're just like. I want to build a software development firm that builds out software for mid to large companies. And now you sit down and you say, okay, well, what do I need to make that happen? Do I need to hire myself software developers Mm -hmm. or can I just outsource that as needed? And it's up to them. And that's the thing that makes it harder in the beginning is how do you want to structure these things? Because it's all up to you.
0: Okay. Now. I know that some individuals, and especially the younger audience and this brand new economy and whatnot and so on and so on, and other thousands of of excuses in a way, um, or or maybe they're legit reasons we're not going to undermine, they're always going to sit down to the money, right? Yep. Yep. And sometimes I've noticed that some people say that you can do it with no money or little money. What would you say would take to become a digital nomad or do the practice that you're doing on a daily basis? Does it take you money? Do you outsource it? Do you start with outsourcing and there's no money, but maybe once we make the sale, now there's money, now they get paid? I mean, what's, how do you go around it? Like, let's just say that um, whatever you have right now, we're just going to straight up remove it. What do you have? Like, what, How would you start?
1: You've got to learn how to sell. If yeah. you don't know how to sell, um, nobody wants to talk to you because you have to have some reason to have a connection. Mm-hmm. And so once you learn how to sell, uh, at that point, you can sell anything. And that, that's why I say for a lot of people who are starting off, you need to learn how to sell what it is you're doing to make people interested in that. And so if you're just starting off, get all your social media platforms going so you have something out there to show everybody that, hey, this is what I actually do. So it may look like I'm building a company, I may, I'm doing this, And you put it on YouTube, you put it onto Vimeo, you put it onto like all kinds of other obscure like live streaming sites, you're going to find an audience. You're going to find something that's going to go on there. Because how many times have you seen YouTubers who are entrepreneurs and they go in and they're just like, I'm going to show you how to be a millionaire in 30 days. Mm -hmm. And there's a ton of videos out there that show you that. There are a ton of videos also that show you like, oh, this is not the way you do it because they're just trying to get views. And then you have the ones who are very, very small group of entrepreneurs who know how to do it. And then they show you in 30 days you can have a million dollars in revenue, but you're going to work your butt off. And that's the point. Yeah. And if you don't know how to do that, selling is going to be majority of what you're going to be doing in the beginning.
0: Yeah, that's true. You know?
1: So if you're an entrepreneur, guess what? You're going to run a YouTube channel. You're going to build a store. You're going to build an audience. You're going to build a product line. And then you're going to build a newsletter. You're going to keep growing that, and then it's going to keep growing on its own. So the hardest part for a lot of people who start content creation is consistency because they get burnt out right away when it's just like two years in, and they're like, I barely get 100 views. And all of a sudden they're just like, this isn't worth it. I've wasted my time. I'm going to go find a job.
0: Mm -hmm. I I know. And you know something um – I know sometimes when they say the word easy and stuff like that, and they show you all the steps and all the things that you got to do. And I feel like it's not easy, but realistically speaking, like it is easy compared to other stuff. That, like there's easier things you can do for $19 an hour, or mm-hmm. there's easier things that you can do to get to $1 million. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what I, whenever they say easy, I'm like, oh, well, let's be honest here. Nothing in this world that relates to success is technically not easy, mm-hmm. but it's technically easy. Easier compared to other challenges in the world, being in the oil rig—that's that's freaking hard work. It is, and yeah. they're getting paid very beautifully. Like they get paid seventy yeah. k easily, which yeah. is really good, very decent. I mean, if we're talking about a job, just a job, not talking about entrepreneurship, I think that's fair. You know, and yeah, and there's and, a lot of people that want that. Yeah, and some people like they live well, and you know what? If that's what you want to be, then. Again, like I'm not, I'm, I personally don't trash the 9 to 5. If that's what you wanna be, and that's what your happiness is, because some people they're all about family, like, like on steroids. Like they just wanna make some money and just be with their family. Cool. They're not into the to the big boy hustle like you and I are sometimes. Right. So, they don't and if that makes you happy. Awesome, dude. Honestly, high five. I'll give you a fist bump and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about making some real money, it's not easy, but it's a lot easier compared to working for 40 years at $70,000 a year. Right. And doing investments and being very disciplined with your money, budgeting and saving. Or you can just work really, really, really hard for 30 days and maybe you're going to get to 1000000 million. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think that's – so now we're talking about the time frame, and that makes it easier if you think about it. Right. However, something that I've noticed, and I feel like you and I are going to agree with this, they're willing to do the work for 30 days for the first 48 hours. Yeah. Because it's hard, and I'm not going to lie to you. Because mm-hmm. technically speaking, it is hard. Mm-hmm. It's just easier compared to other things in a way. Right. So – um, I hope you agree with me on that. It's like, yeah, 30 days, I can do it. I am just have to push myself. Yeah, tell that to the person who just started working out. What's going to happen tomorrow? You're going to feel sore. Yeah. Are you really going to push yourself exactly the same way you push yourself as yesterday? No, you're yeah. going to. And then because that's something I've learned. Like one thing when it comes to working out, you, you start working out, you're going to get sore. Let yourself some breathing time. Let yourself rest. And then you're going to go at it again. Right. But we're talking about. How to get to a one million? And we're talking about thirty days, like legit. Mm-hmm. That's gonna get to you, right? But will you make it? Depends on your hustle, exactly. You know, some people have right. And and
1: and, and again, it all depends on you know your motivation from school. You know, if you did the whole school system traditionally, uh, what were you like in school? You know, were you the kid who went out and did all the clubs after school, or were you the kid who created your own club because you didn't see what you wanted? So you made it your own. Or were you the kid that just went to school, did what you were supposed to, went home, did maybe some of your homework, and then you studied for a little bit, and then you played your video games and hung out with your friends?
0: Or you were just just straight up you know. knucklehead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> straight <laughs> up. Because uh, one of our previous speakers, he was not the best student. Mm-hmm. But if you look at him 30 years now, he's extremely successful because he has a few points in his lifestyle that basically ignited his household and gave him, like, one of those, like, what, do, what would you call it? Um, instances that he realizes he's calling. Right. So, you could be that kid. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was that kid-ish. Into yeah. high school, That I became that kid joining all the clubs, every mm-hmm. single one of them, BPA, X, Y, and C, so on and so on, robotics club. I became such a huge nerd. I yep. don't regret it, but I kind of regret it at the same time because I didn't live a little. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, that's actually wonderful. So, if you, now, now we know what ignited the hustle, we know what kept you on it, and now, has been doing it for you've been doing it for 15 years. What would be a few advices that you would give to your younger self?
1: Um, start sooner.
0: Start sooner. Start sooner. That, even
1: though like it was, it's it's the the economy and the the internet and the technology didn't really support it. Um, start more companies sooner. You know, because from the time I was in high school all the way to even now, I was already doing consulting services. So it was just like, well, now the idea is like to get out there and start building something faster and sooner Mm -hmm. and and grow because there are so many people out there who need what you do, who need what I do, um, because I have a lot of technical skills. You know, now people ask me like, well, are you a software developer? And I say, well, I'm not, and I don't think I ever will be because I don't have a need for that anymore because we are now moving into the age of AI. And as I've talked to a lot of software developers and even, like, computer science professors, in 5, 10 years or even 20 years, students will no longer be learning, like, languages. They'll be learning how to work with AI programming systems. And it's sort of the, the situation of, well, that skill set's going to start disappearing, you're going to have boot camps that are going to slowly go away. And the question is going to turn around and say, well, do I really need to, to learn to code or do I just really need to learn how to prompt engineer coding correctly? Mm. And that's the, the cross that's going to start happening in five, seven years because you're going to have little kids who are growing up. They're all going to have access to AI. They're all going to have access to these tools. And now you're going to have the companies that are going to turn around and start pushing out apps that are just like, let's learn to code. And it's first grade and it's second grade. And all of a sudden, these kids are spitting out things that took a programmer or a team of programmers maybe months to build.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and normally, something that I've noticed, and I remember I read this book and I wish I remember the author, but it was something about the exploration of the universe. And he explains how... Right now, we're transitioning to the AI age. Mm -hmm. But learning to code, I don't know if that skill set is going to be 100 disappeared. Sometimes what usually happens is that they both exist at the same time. Mm -hmm. When Microsoft created Microsoft Word, people thought that there was no need for paper documents and this and that because now everything is digitalized. But now we have both. Same thing when people assume that... When movies were created, the black and white and stuff like that, people were assuming that um, theater and opera were going to be relevant because now we can just watch TV and we can watch that entertainment, and we don't really need to go to the theater. But they both exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Maybe nowadays watching Netflix is much more popular than going to a, a live theater. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, now that's that's considered a commodity. That's considered an amenity. That's considered something like a like a like a like a to-do list, like an actual to-do list, not just watching it. It's like a different thing. So chances are, between five to seven years, both things are still going to be things where there's going to be the ones who know the languages and they know how to do prompt engineering and those who only know how to do prompt engineering. And I'm all for it because realistically, the prompt engineering aspect, what really allows is more opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, and, And we live so little sometimes in regards to our lifespan. You can't, waste your time creating every single app, traditionally speaking, with your lifespan. Like, if you want to be a real entrepreneur, time really is the mm-hmm. enemy. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Time is definitely, like, where you want to be in 30, 60, 90-day goals, We're like, in 30 days, things will dramatically change. Mm-hmm. And your app could become 1,000% irrelevant just like that. Mm-hmm. Somebody can... Do it better, or they came with the idea that somehow tackles your niche mm-hmm. at the same time. And I have seen it before when I have some a friend of mine who is from Colombia. He made a badass app, All right? And I remember how he called me and he was like, "Hey, Roham, uh, I'm not gonna be able to pay you back." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Uh, why?" Because I never never thought that it was he was gonna like not be successful per se Mm -hmm. and he is now but like back then I was like "Uh, why and then he told me some company moved that he was apparently somewhere from Europe moved to Colombia and he basically told me that they actually have the solution already made Mm -hmm. years ago before I came up with it and I had no idea so Mm -hmm. he didn't even know that Right. Something in the world was already tackling his niche. Right. Yeah. And as soon as they moved in, he was irrelevant literally by next day. Mm-hmm. Because he used to have enterprise level customers as he was developing that software. And mm-hmm. they just straight up just, hey, we actually been doing this for far longer. And guess what? We're I they I think they beat him by optimization or something like that. It's like we are way more optimized, more device friendly, more friendly on this, more connected with X, Y, and C, and S, S, O, no sé qué. I don't remember all the details, but he explained to me what happened. And basically, he wouldn't be able to pay me back on the investment that I made for him. Right. And I was like, well, that's life. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, um, to this day, has never paid me back, which it is what it is. I mean, that's what, you know, that's how investment works. But, like, I was just like, well, that happened. That was a... That <laughs> Didn't see that coming because I thought he was a genius. Like, man, you're going to be multimillionaire. Let's go with that. And then, nope. Some company came in and just like that, irrelevancy. And I'm pretty sure if he has the ability of promptly generating with artificial intelligence, he could basically either catch up or by next month or so come up with the next adventure. Right, yeah. Because back then, that was, what, 20... 2018, 2019? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2018 or 2019. Yeah, back then, it was very conventional in regards to how to make a, a, a mm-hmm. Unix design in the app and stuff like that. So very right. conventional, a.k.a. It took months. Yeah, of course. It yeah. wasn't just by next day. Mm-hmm. So I completely agree with you. Prompt engineering, you got to learn that.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's going to become a skill. Uh, unfortunately, schools will not be requiring that in, in their curriculum. How come? Uh, because states and politicians don't understand that, you know. So they're just right, like right now. Like, there's a lot of skills that are not taught in schools that are super important, like personal finance, delegation, leadership, mm-hmm. you know, operations, logistics. Um, if you're going to be an, uh, a digital nomad, an entrepreneur, and let's say you're just like, you know, what I'm going to do drop shipping at 16 so I can figure this stuff out. It's it's a learning curve. It mm-hmm. is it, very hard. Mm-hmm. None of that's taught in school. You know, yet there are so many people now who do drop shipping as a skill building thing and they become millionaires before they're out of high school. They did that because they wanted out of something that they were in or they wanted to push themselves. So you have two different systems that are in play here, and that is the kids who have the resources to do that, which means they probably come from an affluent family, mm-hmm. or you have the kids who don't come from an affluent family and they're very poor. And they want out. So there's a YouTuber. Uh, his, his his name is uh, Sebastian Giorgi or something. Um, and he was poor. And he came from um, a very poor country and got to America. And he just started watching YouTubers who were successful. And they did all this stuff. They drove nice cars. They had big houses. And he's like, how did they do that? What did they do? And so he started to f- find that a lot of them all started from the same area. And that was dropshipping.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and that
1: is not a skill that will ever be taught in school because it is completely irrelevant to irrelevant to the school structure curriculum, and yet it is such a vital part of how so many people have become millionaires in the YouTuber entrepreneurship space, and it will never be in a classroom.
0: I I and I mean in a way, if you think about it, like. Normally schools are finding ways how to use a curriculum to give an accredited associate's, bachelor's, and master's degree, and they don't see dropshipping as part of that because you're, you're, and, and realistically speaking, I, and honestly, I'm glad it's not that in school. I know some people be like, what? And I'm like, well, yeah, because realistically speaking, you got to do your due diligence. You got to do – like if you want to make it, you just got to go out there and find out. You gotta be present for the opportunity. You gotta be looking for the opportunity. The opportunity is not just gonna come to you. And realistically speaking, like even if schools were not doing it, okay, cool, whatever. Guess what? Someone is, someone is, someone has a course, someone has a YouTube channel, someone wrote an article about it, right? And guess what? It's someone. Someone did, and someone figured it out. So if someone figured it out. That means that you could have figured it out too,
1: right? Exactly. So going back with what you just said, if somebody made a course and then they did that and they become a millionaire, it tells them that like, why the hell should I go to business school then? If I can take this course and do this, pay this little amount of money versus paying the school a ridiculous amount of money and become a millionaire versus I'm going to get a degree that's going to do nothing for me.
0: Yeah, and, and sometimes you got to ask yourself what it realistically going to do for yourself because you know I'm in school right now. I'm getting my bachelor's in finance. Hmm. Do I need that bachelor's? I really don't. Yeah, <laughs> I really yeah. don't need it at all. But guess what? I'm doing it because I want it. Mm-hmm. That's it. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to have the opportunity for a doctor's degree, but that's my goal Right. right. in regards to my academic careers. Mm-hmm. And it's the only way. And, and honestly, whether I make it or not, who freaking knows? But mm-hmm. I'm doing it because I want to, and it's more in the concept of investing in yourself and having a formal education. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that I need it. Right. Um, and, and don't get me wrong I have learned some really good stuff like school is not useless 100% because realistically speaking the knowledge that you learn is upon you how to apply it because I met several entrepreneurs who went to school actually graduated and because of the knowledge they have learned through school they they were able to learn the discipline they were able to learn how to study learn how to actually you know if learn to commit If I think that's the only I, I think somebody taught me this not too long ago that if you can get a bachelor's degree, in a way, you can commit on sticking with one subject and learn what it means to have a finance degree or a business administration or law or something like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't get into law as a lawyer without a law degree. Mm-hmm. You need a law degree in order for you to practice law. Mm-hmm. So... Sometimes a degree is semi-relevant, but it doesn't mean that you need it in order for you to make millions of dollars or anything like that. I mean, realistically speaking, no job, like actual nine to five will make you a millionaire. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to be like, hey, man, thank you for for going to school. Let's just say you have, I don't know. A doctor's degree, or master, or a PhD. Mm-hmm. Since you have a PhD, I have no choice but to pay you ten thousand dollars an hour, so equals to let's just say a million dollars. I know that the math will not add up, but it, let's just say it's an ex- hypothetically, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's the instance, do you think that's realistic? No, nobody will. You gotta go out there and make your, your own millions. You gotta be out there and make your own money. It's not about how much you get paid an hour; it's how much you're worth an hour, and you just gotta be out there. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if you agree or disagree, but yeah, that's that's the instance that I would say. Because some schools, they say they don't teach you taxes. Okay. Do you have any idea how many tax goals there are and how dramatically they change every now and then? Mm-hmm. Like, realistically, the way you do your taxes is based upon your lifestyle. Let's be honest here. Some individuals cannot max out their 401K or their IRA accounts. They can't. They don't have enough money, or sometimes they don't do the right contributions so they don't understand how to do it. And IRA accounts do work. It's just that you got to know how. They actually, they're very beautiful when it comes to lowering your taxable income. Mm -hmm. So you have to, some people maximize, some business owners, they maximize their IRA accounts and they go for alternative investments where they can lower their taxable income. So that way, you know, taxes can make financial sense to them. Oh, yeah, yeah. But all of that, like um, tax write-offs and this and that, you're going to learn based upon your lifestyle. And I feel like that would make more sense to me They go into school, learn all the tax goals that has nothing to do with what you're going to do in life, right? Nothing to do with you. It's like, hey, man, did you know that you can make this seminar and it becomes a tax write-off? It could be good knowledge, you know, but let's just say you're the type of person that never did a seminar. Like, what did that mean to you? Right. Did it give you value in a way? Yeah. Did it give you more value to someone like yourself that I know you Host events and seminars. So for that for you that's real value. It's like yes.
1: Right.
0: Yes. I want to do seminars, but I also know about the tax write-offs. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that as if you've done your practice, you have learned how to do your taxes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's based upon your lifestyle. So, I agree on some individuals not going to school and why how some schools are missing a couple things that will actually help you out in life. But sometimes people got to do their own diligence. You got to mm-hmm. go out there and find out. Google it. Literally, bro, like legit. <laughs> Google it. You can. We have ChatGPT. So ChatGPT, I want to go ahead and know what it means to become a business. Like ChatGPT will literally give you a game plan, like dead ass. They will give you a game plan. Sure. That's mm-hmm. I remember you told me about that article. It's like, hey, Roham, um, I don't think you're using ChatGPT the right way. And I'm like, what are you freaking talking about? I just said, write me an article. Okay, like, give me these faces. And I was like, all right, bro, what's up? It's like, I, you are the CEO of a marketing firm, and you've been doing this for 10 years. And I noticed how it dramatically changed the way yes. the article is written. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I don't copy and paste. I just, like, use that as inspiration. Right. But that was a really good inspiration. I felt like it was some tw- 10, year, uh, 20 year, I mean, 10 years of experience CEO telling me, Okay, you want to write a uh, marketing article? This is what you should like the key themes that you should talk about and it changes the way of the writing. Right. And I was like, mm, 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 interesting. Awesome, awesome. I'm just gonna go ahead and just like absolutely yeah. Active Intelligence 101.
1: right. <laughs> yeah, where's that plus? <laughs> um, so yeah, that that's exactly it because you can write, let's say, and there's actually studies that are done even right now as we're speaking where people are taking like five different computers and they're all writing similar prompts but they're worded differently. But the point is to produce the same outcome. And depending on how you word your prompts, you'll notice that ChatGPT is pushing out content that is structured very differently, whereas one might hit all the SEO points. Another might be like very academically Mm -hmm. written. Another one might be written enough for like a middle schooler to understand. And now it's a matter of just looking at all this content and saying, like, which one are we actually going to be using mm-hmm. and which one benefits the broadest audience. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's where the, the secret is. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah, that's true. And content creation has been easier to make it, like, way easier to make than ever before.
1: It is, yes. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to be very harder to understand, like, the value of it in, like, five years, ten years from now because everybody will be doing it. So that means if everybody's doing it and everything you read is all made from ChatGPT, then you're reading something that you're just like, I just need ChatGPT to summarize that when he already wrote it.
0: <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah, and I've yeah. seen some people, like they, they use Notion AI because Notion has some, some, some type of AI as well uh-huh. where they basically grab the link and they basically give me a summary of this article or give right. me a summary of this because sometimes you don't have time to read the whole thing. Right, and they just want to take the key things from it. Yeah. So, but, but there,
1: that that leads us to Wally. That leads us to a world of Wally. We're just like, you've summarized that thing four times now. Why do you need just one sentence from <laughs> four iterations ago? You needed ten bullet points from your article. And you're like, yeah, I don't have time to read all that stuff. But you just summarized it four times already. How much? You just summarize that sentence for me.
0: It sounds like a like a you know what you might call it like a. I feel like that's the best way to put the slogan. Write an entire article about business, summarize it to the point that you have one sentence. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that summarizes pretty much everything.
1: Yeah, and you're, you're just like, okay, I got the article. That's 50 pages.
0: Yeah, 1,000%. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen it before, so that's right. awesome. Yeah. And, and being digital nomad and stuff like that, now that artificial intelligence is present, mm-hmm. as being a digital nomad easier or not easier? Because it's not easy. It still takes effort. Yep. But it's just easier. And I said this with quotation marks. For those who are just listening, it's just easier, right, uh, to be a digital nomad because of artificial intelligence. Would you agree or disagree?
1: I mean, it's, it's a definite, like, I agree because now for everybody else who's been a digital nomad that's in the content creation space, YouTubers, you know, podcasts, they all now rely on every single tool they can get their hands on to produce more content because that's their stream of income. For a lot of people who've been doing this who don't come from the world that I do, they may rely entirely on one or two streams of income. And that might be their YouTube, that might be their newsletter mm-hmm. or their Instagram. And to me, it's just like that's kind of dangerous because what if one of those dries up? Because, again, how many YouTubers have lost their entire income because something went wrong?
0: Yeah. They got demonetized or right. out of nowhere. Um they have some, I forget what it's called, infringement or something right, like that. Exactly, but it was, it, but yeah. it's a specific type of infringement uh-huh. that uh, basically you have to delete all the videos or something like that. Right, I, right. I don't I don't remember anything. But I remember a YouTuber I used to watch and he disappeared. Right. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. Well, that's life. And, and I remember he posted a video on his blog saying, why YouTube forced me to delete all my videos. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. so that's what happened. Oh, right. my God. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Like, I remember I saw that and I was like in shock. I was in high school, high school drama. I was like, oh, no, my guy. Yeah. Okay. It's like, no, <laughs> I let you grow. Right, exactly. and now yeah. you're here getting deleted for why?
1: huh. I mean, like, how many Instagram people out there have, like, lost their accounts because they got hacked? Oh. How many, you know, and all of a sudden they try to go back in and they're just like, well, everything should still be there. And all of a sudden they, they saw that the hackers not only just messed up their account but deleted everything. Okay. You know, so again, you know, this is where, like, you have to build your revenue streams. You have to make sure that you're not relying on one thing. It's the same principle they use in investing. You make sure you diversify your entire portfolio to make sure like if one drops or one messes up, another one is still balancing things out. That's the hard part about digital nomad lifestyle is just like making sure you're building out all your streams of income before you start to do it full time. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you go out and you start the lifestyle and you're just like, you know what, I'm just going to jet off to London. I'm going to go pick up some clients and you want to dive headfirst in some people have made it and other people have struggled and they realize they don't have the, the salesmanship. So they may be sitting there in their office all day or they'll go to a cafe, they'll sit down, they're like, I'm going to work on my blog all day, I'm going to push out my content, do all this stuff, not realizing nobody gives a damn about that. Mm-hmm. You have to be out telling the world you're there If you've if you've never done this before. Mm. And so... I've known developers who are building amazing pieces of software and they're just like, well, I just need to fix this one little thing. I'm like, great. Who knows this? Do you have any clients right now? Are you making any money? Well, well, right now we're still building. We're still building. I was like, Mm. you need to get out and you need to start getting traction. You need to start getting attention because you're wasting your time. That's true. I've met many people who have no products made And they go out, they build the attention, they build the interest, and then they build it up to the point where they're just like, okay, I have enough people now who want this. Now I'm going to go back and build it.
0: Yes. And then to add on to that, that's actually actually called testing the market. Mm -hmm. You go out there and network. That's actually one of the few things why I love networking and hosting my own events is that networking events, it gives you an idea uh, inside about the industry. They give you an idea about the market and find out about whether people even care what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Like for example, remember my sister who wants to become a barber? Yeah, people were interested. So mm-hmm. that means that you're slowly building what we call a warm market. Warm market could be friends, family, connections that they know your name, they know who you are, and they like you. Mm-hmm. Then that's part of your warm market. And you basically said, um, "Hey, you know, I've been wanting to do this for quite some time. What's your opinion?" So you're basically testing your you're testing the market. You're testing your warm market and building your warm market at the same time before you even initiate the production of the product or you're in the works of starting your product. Start hyping it up. Tell them it's coming up soon. What would you guys say? Show them a little bit of the progress of the journey that you're going through to build this, you know, whatever you're building. All right. And sometimes... Um, something that I've learned as of lately is that you might build an audience. You might build a community. Who knows how deep is going to go, right? Mm-hmm. But you can tailor the product live right. based upon that feedback. Mm-hmm. So like um, I forgot he, uh, Charlie, right? Mm-hmm. Charlie Ortega or right. Charlie? Yeah, he's building Checkmate. Yes. And you know what I like about him? Even though the product is not technically 100% complete, You see him networking and you see him telling people, like, what do you think? And he wants to know, like, yeah, download the app. And he wants you to watch. He wants to see you. Like, he wants to see the journey literally, like, talk about being present for the opportunities, to be honest with you. He's present. Like, download the app. Check it out. What do you think? What is this? What is that? And then, obviously, you know that I encountered an issue. And what did he do? He immediately went out there and tried to fix it. So if he didn't network and he has his app out there, Unless somebody complains at a certain volume, he would have never noticed. And how much opportunity would you have lost? Right, right. Like, so he fixed it. Yes. And then now you were able to use it thereafter. I, mm-hmm. I still don't know because I never came back to it, but to be honest with you. But still, I, I you know what? I'm curious after this recording. So right. I'll probably check it out and see if you actually managed to fix a problem. And that sounds like a really good way to launch. Yes. People yeah. know about it. Yeah. I know about it. If you ever told me, hey, Rohan... It's official, bro. It's official. Mm-hmm. It's it's launched. The first thing I'm going to do is promote him. Mm-hmm. I have yeah. a on my social media. My guy's been working on this for quite some time, bro. I am so excited. Go check him out right away. I know he's been working hard because I saw everything. I saw the journey. I've been right. seeing the journey. You saw the journey as well. Right. So I'm sure if, he, if you demonstrate the journey, you record the journey, you present the journey, I'm pretty sure that you're going to have not loyalty, but there's a word for it more likely, uh, more just dis- acceptable for the individual to want to go out and invest in your product. Right, yeah. Because he saw the journey, mm-hmm. and he wants to support you. People want to support each other as long as they're invested the right, right way. Mm-hmm. They're not just going to support you just because.
1: No, he has a story, you know, and that's, that's what matters. You know, I've met people who make apps because there's a market for it, but they have no story. You know, so for him, you know, being at the event uh, last night, uh, he went out, and he had a purpose, and that was to get into this event and find the people he can connect with so that way they can partner with their apps together mm-hmm. and do something. And so he accomplished that, and he met a lot of people. They checked out his app. They did all that stuff, and he got the contact that he was looking for. Most app people out there or most entrepreneurs don't go that far when it comes to building their company. They will simply be like, well, we built the app. Let's just get some Google ad ads out there. Let's run some fake Facebook ads, and let's see how well it does. Mm-hmm. That's 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 part of the the game plan, you know. But when you're just starting off, you need in person like networking, and many people discount networking tremendously. Uh, in fact, I had to listen to a guy last night, um, talk about how networking did not help him at all, um, and it's probably because he didn't know how to network. You know, yeah. there are a lot of books on how to network a room how to get the most out of a networking event because most people show up, they have their business card, and they're like, well, nobody talked to me. I guess I'm not important, and then they take off, and they're like, oh, that was a terrible event.
0: There's no freaking way somebody you know. actually did that. That is you not know. make sense whatsoever. you got to talk.
1: Yes, you have to talk, but you also have to have a story, and you have to know how to sell when the moment is right because if you go in and you sell like a salesperson – and you're sleazy about it. You're just like, hey, look, listen, I, I can save you a lot of money on, on, on car insurance If you just talk to me, we'll get, I'll get you on the phone. I can save you 15%. And it's like, wow, now we're doing the commercials in person. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? well, so, well, what a way yeah, to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so if you are an, a true entrepreneur, what you're selling or what you're doing, if the story is, is interesting enough, it will sell itself and you're just sharing the story with somebody to the point where that person is going to be like I want that. Mm-hmm. I want to be a part of that. I want to join that journey. Because of what I do is so, you know, it does it's not tangible in any way. There's nothing physically to show. What I what I do is I present a story. It's a lifestyle. And so I say, look, if you're interested, you join the newsletter. You mm-hmm. join this you you join the stream or you join this. You do this to get more involved in it. You know, there are books you can read. There are things you can do. And all of a sudden, you start to see, like, okay, that's the way to get people's attention. Mm -hmm. If you're coming in with a hard sell, it's like, yeah, I'm Jimmy, and I'm here to sell you some, you know, amazing car parts and stuff like that. If you just come down to my shop, and I'll get you set up. Most people are turned off by that.
0: Mm -hmm. That is 1,000% true. You know,
1: but if you come in, and you're just like, you know, hey, I run a car shop. My family's been doing it for 15 years. You know, if you're ever looking to get something fixed, you know, come down. We can have a chat. That's more approachable.
0: Mm-hmm. That's 1,000% true.
1: And I, But I've met too many people who are just so bad at selling. They come in, the hard sell. Here's my card. Just call me whenever you want. Who are you? What do you do? Why are you? What is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you here? You know? And, yeah, I mean, some people are just bad at networking, and they realize, like, that was a waste of time. And imagine if you learn networking – to where you walk into a room, almost everybody knows you. You pick up a couple of clients, and you do that all around the world. How much would your life change? A lot. How fast could you get to a million dollars doing that?
0: I well, that's never unknown. Uh, that's not uh, unknown. Yeah. That's never known. But it could be really fast, a lot faster than there, ten years. There you go. That's for sure.
1: Because it's all about your people skills and your your selling. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen people who they can get to a million in three weeks, and they don't even have a product. I've seen people do that because it's just like they may provide a service mm-hmm. that is just like I will help you do this, this, and this, and somebody's willing to pay a lot of money to get them out of a bind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, how many times is it's like? Something physically happens, like, my car breaks down, like, I need it fixed now, and you're willing to pay whatever the car garage wants. So imagine in the world of, like, services what people are willing to pay, you know? But they're not going to pay somebody who's, like, trying to scam them. They're not going to do that. They're Mm going to work with somebody who's just, like, relatable in their inner circle, or they work in the same tribes and stuff. It's, It's the same reason why... Ultra rich people don't hang out with normal people. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same reason why normal people don't go to the same events that people who work nine to five regular things associate with. Why? Because they're working a nine to five. They don't have time to go to that stuff. And there's there's reason why there's certain circles of life all around the world where you're just like, I didn't know how to, I didn't know that party was there. It's like, well, that's probably because it was a private event and it was only for people in this estralon of society. And you're like, well, how do I get into that room? Do you have $10 million? <laughs> do you have, you know, it's like, you know, dinner plates started at $500,000. Oh, well, put me down for two, <laughs> you know? And, and so all of a sudden you realize, like, there's this different world of networking. You know, I, as I remind some people, I'm like, you do realize, like, there are very ultra-wealthy women out there who host dinner parties. And they do that as a service to their community, but also as sort of like a business, because that's where they make business deals. Women come together who have a lot of money. They have these amazing, elegant, nice parties in their homes. And that's where business is done. Because over conversation, and be like, well, you know, I'm working on this right now, and my friend is doing this. Really, let me tell you about Jim. He would love to be a part of that. Mm. He can help you do this, this, and this. That's how those connections and those worlds work. Most people who work nine to five jobs have no clue that stuff goes on. That's true. so there this is why like the the, the lifestyle of, like freedom and and being a digital nomad, being an entrepreneur and connector, it gets you into all kinds of worlds. And all of a sudden you open doors that are just like, "How did you do that?" Well, that's because I knew this person, <laughs> and I knew this person when me and them used to network together from this event. And now they're here. That's how I got into that room.
0: That's fair to say. That's fair to say. Um, I forgot how, how to describe it, but it was like, it's not the first connection that you make. It's basically the second and third degree connection that you can make along that person. Mm-hmm. It's basically, he knows this guy who knows this guy who knows this guy, right. basically. Absolutely. And that's how networking yeah. basically works in a non-show. Yes. Sometimes it gives you an opportunity to reach to somebody like, I may not be the one, but I know who. Mm-hmm. and, and, that, that, and yeah. that person didn't show up to the event which is fine mm-hmm. but you met the person that is connected to the person right
1: and that's why some people think i'm a magician yeah they, they just think like how did you do that how did you get in that room like just like just yesterday i crashed an event i i went to some event that uh apparently you had to pay a lot of money to be in and so i was there i was just walking around talking to some people uh seeing what they do And we all got to talking together and they asked me what I do. And all of a sudden they're just like, can I get your LinkedIn? Can I, can I, like, what do you, like, I want to know this. I want to know more about this. And when I told them the story of this, this cruise ship that is catered to digital nomads where like there's, there's a school on the, on the cruise ship and there's a hospital and there's a dentist and there's a doctor's office and, and there's all, everything that we do in a normal life is all on a cruise ship and it's all for digital nomads. And there's apartments that you can you know rent. And one of the guys were like, I got to look this up. Like, are you serious? And then I showed him one of the people who lives on the ship and he saw the, the YouTube videos and he was just like, that looks high class. He's like, how much does a like an apartment cost there? And I'm like, it's about 35,000 a year. And he's like, that's about average, you know, it's like, and, and the cruise ship goes all around the world and it stops off in different port cities for like three or four weeks which means that as a digital nomad you have time to go into the cities you have time to travel around and pick up clients and do work and get stuff done and then you come back on the ship and you go to another city and to them sitting there with their 9 to 5 job they're just like that is so cool he's like that he's like I didn't even know that existed
0: yeah you know? That's normally that's normally the normal reaction. I didn't even know that was a thing. Well, so I have yeah. No idea. So so
1: being at that that whole event that I, I apparently crashed mm-hmm. that was a lot of money by the way. Um, I I made a lot of contacts. I got a lot of new LinkedIn connections, and they were all not from Austin. And so I I was the one who, as the connector, came in and said, "You need to go try this place. You need to go here before you leave. Make sure you go see this." And they're like, "Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna go do that." And then all of a sudden, I asked them where they're from. And because I knew where they're from, I said, well, have you gone and done this? Have you been here? One person just told me they just moved to Denver, Colorado. And I said, have you been to the Red Rock Amphitheater yet? And he's like, yeah, I just went over there. I had I, There was something going on. I was like, isn't it amazing? Isn't it absolutely beautiful? He's like, dude, this place is so amazing. He's like, but the problem is there's so much traffic. He's like, everybody wants to be in Denver. I was like, I know. I was like, wait until winter comes around. <laughs> <laughs> wait until winter comes around. So then later on, after talking to all these people, and they were actually more interested in me than I was interested in what they were doing. I should have been charging them. Um, I found out to get in, it was a $2,000 ticket.
0: Oh, okay.
1: You know, and I crashed it for free.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's like a conference, like a leader's conference kind of fee.
1: And so um, when I told my other friend that I was with, I said, hey, go check out this room. Guess what happened to them? He made a rookie mistake, and he asked, what is this? And he got kicked out
0: Uh, oh no what is this yeah you don't ever act like you don't belong exactly because if you say what is this now they know it's like well yeah if you paid you obviously know Know what this is is. like exactly (laughs) so yes okay so when you say like that that's 1000 percent makes sense oh gosh okay i'm gonna take that tip from you then Mm -hmm. i'm never gonna ask what is this it's like uh can i help you sir I'm already helped. I know where I'm at. All right. Yeah. You yeah. just,
1: you always act like you belong there. Yeah. And when you walk into a room, you always know what you're trying to do.
0: Yes. I know exactly what I want yeah. to do. If
1: you look confused and you're like trying to look like, and you look like a tourist, people know you don't belong there.
0: Yeah. And they're going to say like, can I help you, sir? Sorry. I'm just trying to debate what I'm going to con- Like who to talk to or go for the food. Mm-hmm. Gotta save yourself before they right, kick you out. Absolutely, yeah. You have a ticket? Oh, I don't even have a phone, bro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever so. excuse, like, no, like I don't even know, man. I, I know I belong here though. My uncle is here. Who's your uncle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your uncle's name? <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: so but yeah, it was it was a great event. It was a lot of fun. I, I got a lot of cool stuff. And um after that I went to some more events, you know, and then I went to a big party. And that's, that's sort of the the lifestyle right there. you know. And some people look at it as just like, man, it, it sounds like a lot of fun. But networking is a skill. And it is it is a muscle. And I've seen people who are really bad at it. And they walk away with a very disappointed feeling of just like, I got nothing out of it. And other people, like, they start to realize, like, they see me there. I help connect them to stuff. And they start to get more comfortable. And they realize, like, man, there is a system to networking if you want something out of it. Uh, a lady that I just met or reconnected with a week or two ago uh, was so happy. She texted me because she was just like, I need you to help me build my website and fix it. And then we started to talk about like what I'm doing in the week. And I said, well, I have to go to this. I have have this coming up. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, what is that? And so I took her to some events. Her whole life changed in one day. She's like, I got 30 new connections that Mm. I didn't even know existed. I found a company that's willing to help me do this, this, and this. Uh, I found another organization that if I need help, they'll fly me out to here. They'll take, they'll pay for everything. They'll do this, and she's like, "You, you literally helped change so much of what I was doing in mm. one day."
0: Yeah, dramatically, everything changes right. when you go out there and be present for the opportunities. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I meet a lot of people's stories. I see what they're doing. Uh, last night I met this girl who literally like took about a year or two off from having sold two companies, and she traveled all of Southeast Asia. And she said it was the best thing ever. And I said, imagine if you did that and you were running as a digital nomad, three companies, and all of a sudden somebody liked what you were doing and offered to buy one of them. And then another guy I met was doing a whole travel through the U.S. right now because he's taking six months off from work. And I said, what have you learned so far about yourself or about the trip? He's like, things move very fast and you need to have something in place He's like, but what I'm doing, I'm never going to forget. I said, go to every city, go to a networking event, see what people are doing, make a connection, and at the end, decide if you really want to go back to working a nine-to-five or if that's what you want to do forever.
0: Hmm. You know, so. that's, that's, that's 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 very powerful statement right there. And by the way, uh, Chris, we're actually running almost out of time. So anything that you want to promote whatsoever for the last 30 seconds...
1: Yeah, I Anything. mean if you're looking to get out in into the world of digital nomads, the first step I would say is go to networking events, travel within your state and see if you can go to another city for one weekend and pick up two clients at an event. If you can do that, maybe this life sells for you. And keep trying that every weekend and come back home and see like, "Hey, I think I can do this." Okay. If you can, do it.
0: Okay, so if you can definitely do it between different cities, you can definitely do it in a different state.
1: Or other countries. Or other
0: countries. Yeah, yeah. 1,000%. Right. Okay, awesome. Well, Chris, I appreciate so much coming over here and, and giving the time to give valuable insights and your knowledge and stuff like that. Um, honestly, we might invite you back. We're looking forward to see, just learn more about what it means to be a digital nomad and what it means to actually have that freedom. Right. So other than that, guys, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. This is Born to Hustle. And I'll see you guys next time. Thank you.